It's a pleasure to have you here. Can you please introduce yourself? Yes, thank you. I'm uh, I'm Shang. So uh, I am an independent security researcher. Uh, right now I am with KebabSec and with Spearbit. Uh, before, before doing security work, I was uh, working at Pangolin Exchange. Uh, it's the first decentralized exchange uh, avalanche. Uh, so I did some new uh, staking stuff there, and yeah, that's basically that's basically it. Yeah, it's cool. Avalanche is been getting all the heat the last couple of days. Yeah, what do you make of that? Yeah, so like at the beginning, I was an Avax Maxi, so I I started I got into DeFi through Avalanche. So that was that was my first. Uh, that was my first DeFi chain, and I liked it. I learned everything from there. Like whenever a new protocol comes, it was always forks, right? So it was like Wonderland money comes. It is fork of Om Om uh, Olympus. I learned, I learned about that on Avalanche. So yeah, Avalanche is a special place in my heart, but I don't like how it's uh, how its community, you know very focused on hype and like too degen and now that i i'm a more uh, seasoned uh, veteran i guess i know about the technology behind it and i i just cringe at all the all the hype yeah uh, they make and it's like hype is fine on its own but it's uh, irresponsible <laughs> as we have seen uh, in the last in the, in the last few days. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know... Yeah, yeah for those that... You have, to, you have to ensure. Yeah, for the, for those who don't know, we're referencing the uh, Stars Arena hacks that happened in the last few weeks that are generating a lot of turmoil in Twitter. But it's really interesting that AVAX was your window into crypto because usually it's Ethereum, right? That's how people get into it, how they start coding. So... Why did Avalanche capture you at first? Yeah, so like I initially, let me tell you how I got into crypto. So I initially got this like uh, with, with libertarian values. So I wanted to have, you know, be, on, be your own bank, right? That's the idea. Uh, so I got into in 2021, but, you know, I see, like I see coins pumping, right? Then the, then the, then the idea changes. Now I want to, I, I see I can make some profit. Then I started looking at altcoins. Uh, you know, I read white papers, but you know, what can you understand at that stage, you know? But I saw Avalanche white paper and I thought that was, that was decent. Uh, so I just, you know, uh, I got into that. So I started following it. And then I, uh, it's like, it started, uh, they created a bridge, so the Avalanche bridge, not not the one they have right now, but they had another bridge, and they had the first X, uh, which started DeFi there. So that's how I started. Like I started with them, and it was actually very nice because I it allowed me to learn it gradually. Because if it if I just jumped into Ethereum, you know there are many things, and I don't know, uh, like I I could have got lost, like too many things. Uh, yeah, so in Avalanche, like uh, in t t two weeks past, uh, 
a new decentralized exchange. If they have something new, I learn it. And one month later, we got landing. Uh, sorry, we got like Chainlink. Then I learned about Oracles. And after Chainlink, we realized, oh, we had we can now have landing. So I learned about landing. Uh, like I learn about as a user, not as a uh, not as a uh, coder. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 basically it. And why Avalanche? Because uh, I got you know uh, I believed in the tech, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how did you get with Bangalore Index? Yeah. So uh, as I said, like I always had this libertarian values, right? So there were many many new uh, crypt like NFT projects, but uh, I didn't like them because the idea was supposed to be, you know, you have this digital cards, but they should be immutable. That they, they should, no one should be able to change. It. So imagine someone, like you buy a painting, hang it on your wall, and someone just barges into, barges into your home and then smears over that painting. So we wouldn't accept that, but we accept the the uh, that uh, on crypto because. For NFTs, anyone can write uh, the the token URI. Like not anyone, like the owner can write it and change it. So many projects, NFT projects, were like that. I didn't like how they did it. I said, okay, I will do it. I will do one myself. Uh, and I I made Crypto France. I don't know if you've uh, seen it. Uh, basically, uh, cute uh, pepes. And uh, the standard was ten thousand, so I did that. I did with my actually with my uh, parents. Uh, they they drew the some like most of the traits, uh, and we did uh, we did that. And I did it meticulously, so I wrote the website from scratch. Uh, I ensured that it's all immutable. Everything is immutable. Even the price was immutable. And I ensure that it's not snipeable. And what that means is that you cannot uh, mint knowingly if it's going to be a rare uh, NFT. So uh, I did that. And, you know, I was vocal in the Avalanche community. Uh, and then after that, I did some internship at Pangolin. So I was starting to get, in, get interested in the development. Of course, the NFT project is very little solidity code, right? And I mostly copy-pasted it. But it's about learning how the systems come together, right? How how the front-end works, how, how the API interacts with the blockchain, right? So you learn all of those things. And since I wrote the website from scratch, I, I got a, a very decent learning experience. And for like... For learning, like I will, uh, I will drill a bit. For learning, people ask like, "What's the? How can I get on get onto your level?" I think the the biggest thing is to have uh, have some standards, right? So for me, it was making something immutable uh, that that's aligned with the philosophy of uh, blockchain. So that's why when when you code something, you you uh, rewrite stuff based on your standards and that's that's a learning experience and like the gas optimization is a learning experience as well like you maybe you might introduce more risks into the contract because you optimize it but 
like you see another contract and now you have this uh, this writing styles the standards you want to make sure uh, it's gas optimized so you go there so that's uh, that's uh, like having these standards uh, like opinionated uh, code writing style is very important for uh, improving your uh, learning yeah so basically i did the nft project i went to pangolin internship and then i got i got uh, they invited me to join so i joined yeah i have to say that it's so cool that you got your parents involved in crypto friends and they they help you with the trades and everything are they some is that something that they naturally were interested in how did you manage to interested into like contributing that that way uh yeah i was doing some like uh some little uh prs on their github as well fixing little things uh, uh but then you know i oh the the main thing i the main thing is like what jump started my knowledge is me working on an, on an algorithm on a staking algorithm so i wrote crypto france uh it didn't sell much it sold like you can still mint it if you want and there is there is uh permanent backing so you can refund it uh, it's all fair uh so i i still like it like you can still you can still mint it uh, but you know i had some fans they want new stuff and uh okay maybe we can make some staking uh, algorithm and you know uh at that time the olympus forks was uh, were very popular and uh, we got this idea i think like we we cracked the code of staking it's like the longer you stake the more you get uh, like the the idea is simple and stupid but doing it on on with smart contracts is not really straightforward because you have to do it in constant time like every action has to be in constant time otherwise as more people are staking the more increased uh, the the cost is going to be so it's uh, i had to come up with this new algorithm so and i wrote the contracts it was the the writing like the the code style was very bad like you know it's my first contract but it was a ambitious project and this way what i learned is i learned uh i learned the the basic staking algorithm like the synthetics algorithm then i came up with my own algorithm and how to implement something like that on chain and i wrote all this new contract uh, and then i uh, started optimizing it how to make it efficient on chain so these are all learning experience that you know i think that's that's what jump started my uh, solidity knowledge and this was like in uh when was it at uh, 2022 or at, at the end of 2021 so yeah they pangolin realized my potential and then like the the guy at the at the at the top of pangolin is uh, justin he's an amazing guy he like uh, i owe him many things and uh, yeah i'm very grateful for him so yeah uh, he realized my potential i guess so i joined pangolin 
And how did you go from bangling to starting your auditing career? Uh, so we had some experiences with bugs, uh, with exploits, and we had experiences with uh, bad auditors. Uh, so I we realized that we have to learn security. Uh, I have to learn security. It's not we cannot just leave it to some uh, outsider. And I think now it's really important for everyone that like any developer must be an expert in security. I believe uh, because the way you write the code affects everything. You cannot uh, like. If you write a spaghetti code and then you get audited, it's not going to work because the auditor is going to find two, three bugs or five critical vulnerabilities, whatever. Even if you send it to competition, like if you if you have spaghetti code, it's not going to it's going to get uh, get wrecked eventually. So uh, developers must know security well. Yeah, so that was the idea. I got uh, I started learning. I did some code arena competitions uh, on the side, uh, and you know, I uh, we we had some uh, some like exploits, not not big ones, but you know, I uh, I had some taste of uh, war rooms. Uh, the biggest one we had one uh, we had was the Hedera precompile exploits. There was like uh, uh, my sleep was ruined i started smoking and was very very bad time but yeah it's uh yeah so i had i had some experience with security like you have to have experience with security when you are a smart contract developer but you know then it started to interest me uh, more because i started getting a little bit uh, disillusioned with defi uh, and i didn't have motivation to build stuff uh, like build smart contracts so yeah i kind of lost my motivation in that ground but i have motivation to read others sorry um what led to this what does demotivation what made you lose faith for the hacks that happened at pangolin uh, no i it's the like everything is in is infrastructure if it's not an infrastructure it's it's a meme uh, hype coin that's, you know, trying to pump and dump. So, like, it's either infrastructure work or it's either, you know, like memes. And uh, I think it was being part of Avalanche affected as well because, like, Avalanche community, because, as I said, they are very hype-oriented and uh, do not care much about security. Uh, like even when, when there were that, like there were times when I was when I was initially in Penguin, I was trying to like oh say this project has infinite minting access. Look at this! Like I was posting this, and I I, I would just get extremely you know uh, what do you call that word? The lynched, uh, not lynched, but uh, cancelled, whatever. <laughs> like no, no, I, I got cancelled. Oh like, right, yeah. People like just berated by like, everyone. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm a father because I told that they have in infinite minting access, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was the state in Avalanche community. But yeah, other than that, it, 
like the entire crypto, like it's too much infrastructure work and I don't want to build another DEX, I guess, or like the DEX, the DEX is what, what can I build? I'm thinking like, I don't have the idea, the motivation, but, uh, auditing is great to get some motivation as well. You, you see what others are building. Yeah. You can get more ideas from them and then you will, uh, or you will, uh, maybe you will want to build something similar or something entirely new that you, uh, yeah, you figure out from, from the, from the audit you made. So, uh, yeah, that's why I, you know, I, I got into all that thing. Also the freedom as well. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I think that's great too. And I love that you have a very gradual introduction to very to different concepts of DeFi because for anyone starting, it can be really overwhelming. But if you just mm -hmm. take it bit by bit, it makes things a lot more manageable. And to you, it just happened by chance. You just gradually got to have the luxury of a slow inflow of information. But for those that are starting in Ethereum, for example, especially nowadays with so much going on, I highly mm -hmm. suggest to take it slow and just go, you know, concept by concept. Yeah, exactly. So like it's like every year, every year that's passing is like building on top of the other. Like if you if you wanted to learn physics in I don't know seventeen hundred, then it's different than learning it now, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, similar. And I think the Crypto Friends website is one of the most happy websites I've ever been to. Yeah. Like when you press the sound like the soundtrack yeah. is happiness in a website. It's so cool. I love, I love it. Yeah. That's exactly what I wanted to do. And uh, glad that you feel that way. Yeah. When I, when I was looking at it, I immediately called my girlfriend and showed it to her cause she just thought it was awesome. <laughs> um, Great. And now you mentioned you're with kebab sec. So how did that start? How did that start? Oh, that's. So the the one guy from Kebabsek is from Turkey as well. And there was some event uh there was some event in Ankara, uh, the capital of Turkey. So I went to that event. It was like a university blockchain event basically. And he was actually a speaker. Uh and I realized his name uh, I, I knew him because uh, I knew him, his name from uh, Code Arena. So after his speak was over, I spoke with him immediately. And then uh, I told my uh, my uh, online name and he realized me immediately too. So then, okay, that's nice. And when uh, we were in uh, Istanbul, I said, okay, we want to meet and we, we met, spoke a little bit about crypto stuff, security stuff. And then, uh, there was like, eventually like there was an audit uh, they were doing and he invited me to be part of it. Uh, we worked on it together. It was, uh, it was nice, nice one. And then, yeah, he said, do you want to join full time? So that's, uh, how it happened. 
And for those that don't know, can you tell us what Kebab Stack is? Yeah, so it's like, uh, I think it was started by two guys doing security work. And then it became three guys. And now with me, it's four guys. And now there's another guy, it's five guys. And we tried to do all the audits together, like most of us. Uh, now that we are five people, it will not likely be all five of us in single audit. But at least I guess I hope to do three of us in a single audit. So basically we don't have, we do everything together. It's like, you know, solo auditors tell they, oh, we don't have, we don't pay for marketing and blah, blah, blah. So this is, this is kind of similar, but we are, uh, we are five people now. So we don't, we don't, all of us do security work. We don't have anyone else for any other work. That's cool. Basically. Yeah. And do you guys work physically in the same place or are you all remote mm -hmm. working remotely where you guys live? Uh, all remote. Okay. Yeah. I kind of want to try you know, working in the same place. Yeah, I think uh, there's definitely might... mm -hmm. something to it. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I want like I just want to try and see if maybe that might be more fruitful. Uh, you know, seeing someone else work in front of you is definitely a motivation. Uh, and then whenever you are stuck at some place, you can ask and the other person has to answer. So it's forcing you to think. And uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, I want, that's something I want to try this. Yeah, I think the ability to quickly bounce ideas back and forth, it's, it can be really beneficial. And lately you uncovered a Uniswap bug. So can you oh, yeah. tell us a little bit about that? So. That's, uh, I'm going to say it was, uh, uh, some percent luck. I, I will not say like 60% luck, 70% luck because, uh, that's the bug. I didn't find that bug. Actually, I wrote that bug. So let me explain. So I developed, uh, a protocol called flood plane. And, uh, I, uh, I, like I worked with, uh, with the flood, uh, team. So I worked with them and I wrote most of the contract parts and the idea they wanted to do is someone, right. Someone has a signature order. So they, they make an order. It's a, it's a off chain signature. And then, uh, anyone can fill that order. And they can do that by using the tokens that were giving, given in the order. So in the order, it said, I want to give 50 ETH. I want to get 10,000 USDC, USDC, right? And whoever is filling that order will take the 50 ETH from the order creator. And then they can use it however they want. So this, this is the main difference. So it allows you to use that funds in any way uh, you want to source the funds that the order creator requested. And this is the main difference between, let's say, uh, OpenSea. Because in OpenSea, what happens is that someone creates an order, let's say the same order. It was 58, right? So 
what would happen in OpenSea? You would take the 50 ETH and then you would have to give the 10,000 USDC immediately, right? So it, it would have to come from you. But but here, uh, when you're like in in this uh, in this protocol, flat plane, you just you take the 50 ETH and then you can swap it anywhere you want. So it kind of works as a uh, as a order book. It works as a <clears throat> Uh, as an aggregator, swap aggregator, uh, yeah, so, and then potentially there's like idea of doing cross-chain swaps with this as well. So <clears throat> this is like a versatile protocol. Uh, the only downside is that the orders are off chain and it can be censored. Uh, that's the, that's the only uh, potential drawback. Yeah, so I built this and I really enjoyed it because, you know, it made really made really sense to me. It's it's a great idea. And then after I developed it, uh, they sent it to Spearbit uh, for auditing. So my code went to Spearbit, uh, and the only uh, issue uh, that was raised, like the big issue, I would say, like there were other issues, but they were they were just you know uh, typos that lead to DOS or something like that. That, that would have been fixed after launch without a problem. So the the biggest issue was uh, the, the, there was a, uh, in the settlement, the design was uh, flawed. It could have uh, led to orders being filled without spending tokens. So I will explain that, but let me, let me link it to the Uniswap. So yeah, Spearbit found this issue and uh, I was impressed. That's really nice. And I will tell who found it. It was uh, uh, Bahurum from Spearbit. And yeah, so so after that, few weeks passed. It was uh, ETCC in Paris. Uh, I went there, met lots of great people. And during the ETCC, Uniswap announced uh, Uniswap X. I didn't initially look at it, but after that, the flood, I had a call with flood team after I was back from Paris. Uh, they said, uh, we want to integrate Uniswap X as well. And we know it's the exact, almost exactly the same thing. And I checked the protocol. Yeah, it's, it's almost the same thing. We even use uh, permit two uh, as, as approvals for approvals. So, uh, yeah, it's almost exactly the same thing. And I just immediately went to check how the orders are settled because to integrate it to our protocol, I have to know how they do that. And it's like, I see it's on the first glance, like on the first glance, I check how it's filled, how the orders I sorry, how the orders are settled. And like, I immediately see they made the same mistake as me. So I just submit the bug. So it was, I would say it was very lucky. It wasn't, it wasn't like uh, hard work uh, finding, uh, finding a very sophisticated bug or something like that. But it's, it's, it's actually a relatively simple bug, but I got lucky and found it. Yeah. That's I think basically it's, how, how it happened. I think it's very common actually 
for this type of bug to happen. A similar thing happened with uh, Vlad Bochok while he was implementing something for ZK Sync, and then he made a mistake, and then he realized that other people could have made the same mistake in other protocols, and I think found the same bug in Starkware or a similar protocol. So, mm. you know, it might be a bit of luck, but you've managed to work yourself into that position, you know? The, it's yeah. funny that the more you work, the more luck you get sometimes. Yes. Actually, a, a funny anecdote. I, I was, like, when I was in uh, Paris, I gave a presentation, and it was like a, uh, like a flash presentation. I don't know what you call that. It's like I had just one day to prepare for it. So, uh, okay, what can I tell? I can tell my uh, mistakes. Uh, so I told this, oh, I wrote this uh, protocol and it turns out this is very similar to InSwapX and I made that mistake. And uh, I said every, like, I gave all the breadcrumbs in that presentation and my submission, bug submission was one week after that. So if anyone was keen on that presentation, they could have, you know, <laughs> looked at InSwapX and saw the same issue. Like, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, I'm sure everyone in the presentation that listens to this is going to be biting their nails, thinking, oh, why did yeah. I just have a look at it? Yeah. And you have a very colorful bug report. I like how you kind of did a meme off of it. Mm -hmm. So I think more people should have colorful and yeah. entertaining bug reports. I think sometimes they're too dry. They like a bit of humor i think more people should follow suit stuff like that yeah i agree and, and what is I, your please go ahead yeah if i if i if i were talking like a solo audit firm it would be like crypto france branded and i would write everything in the in the funny funny pepe speak so yeah that would be pretty cool as long as you can understand it i yeah. think it's pretty entertaining <laughs> It makes it for a lighter reading for sure. Yeah. And how does your auditing methodology works? Uh, audit methodology is just just trying to understand uh, the pro how the protocol works as soon as possible. So don't delay it. Like even if the protocol looks simple and you think you can you can understand it, like it's easy to. It's easy to uh, procrastinate. So, but if you understand the protocol as soon as possible, then you will you will start thinking about attack vectors. And are there any techniques you use to trying to understand how protocol work really fast? Uh, just user, uh, just check how the user interaction works, uh, and then how that changes the state so the state is like the state is the core of uh, of most smart contracts right so you have to understand how the state is changing uh, and what inputs change change it in what way that's the most important cool so you're trying to mostly understand flows and you know what can be done and how the how can that change state? Yes, exactly. And 
is that the same for you when doing private audits or doing contests? Do you just have the same approach when doing both regardless? Yeah, it's the same same approach, uh, but I haven't done contests for, I think it's been a year or maybe more. Uh, my, so what I was doing with wrong with contests was that I was focusing so much on the basic stuff, informational stuff. <clears throat> uh, if I do it right now, I would probably not bother with that and would just, <clears throat> would just focus on uh, finding critical stuff. And I think not looking at everything helps as well because I was, you know, reading er like line, line, line by line everything, but there are parts of the code you will know that it doesn't affect anything. For example, I have, I read, uh, so there was like a Trader Joe liquidity book contest. It's like a, it's like an AMM. It's very similar to Inswap P3. Uh, so in that, there is a, a logarithm function. I believe it was a logarithm function. So I knew it was just used in, in an external view function. So it doesn't affect uh, core protocol functionality. So it's just an external helper view function. So it was used there, but I, I go and uh, read that function. And what I find is that, uh, so the, the logarithm function takes input as uh, not in, uh, so it's as a, 128-bit uh, number with uh, the decimal points. I don't remember the exact thing, but it's like it has decimal points, right? So, and in the in the in the logarithm function, it has a one check like early return uh, return check uh, that <clears throat> uh, that assumes that it's it's a regular number. It's, it doesn't have the decimal points. So for that one value, it will return returning correct. Uh, yeah, so I, I found that. Uh, I submitted as medium. Uh, and then the since it didn't affect any core protocol functionality, it was it was gone downgraded to low, right? So I didn't have many QA reports. So there are QA, QA reports in Quadrina. It wasn't uh, uh, very good, I guess, that this this finding that was merged uh, was just, you know, discarded. Like, it's a valid, valid finding, unique finding, uh, that and, uh, and the team fixed it uh, based seeing my finding. They fixed it. But it was downgraded low, and it was... Uh, I didn't get paid anything, and it wasn't included in the quarterly report as well. So that's that's the that's the most annoying thing that I had uh, in Coderna. I know many people had much more annoying things, but this was, you know, this was, you know, this was supposed to be in the report. So something like, even if you don't like, don't pay me, but maybe include in the report. So that's I didn't like that. But but yeah, that's. That was, uh, if I do it right now, I wouldn't check, uh, maybe check that function for the contest, I guess, not for the, 
not for the private audit because private audit I, I want to find everything but for the contest probably it doesn't matter I will just check the functions that can uh, uh, that can cause uh, fund loss basically like uh, red red spots in the function uh, that can uh, that's changing the state in a meaningful way yeah I think that makes a lot of sense. Sometimes when you're starting out, you can end up missing the forest for the trees mm -hmm. and spending your time into something that is not really going to be that impactful, even if I find a mistake in it. Mm -hmm. So trying to focus on more critical parts and spend your time there is definitely good advice. And... It kind of sucks that you didn't really get compensation or recognition for the bug you found. I think it's one of the problems that they're trying to solve with the analysis report. I think that's what it's called, where now mm -hmm. you can give an, uh, just kind of like architectural suggestions to the protocol. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, if I if I have some uh, free time, I will definitely do some contests. Start doing some contests again. Let's yeah, see, yeah. Uh, what's the situation right now? <clears throat> because I think uh, the competition has uh, lowered a little bit. Like I haven't done any contests recently, but I think that's the case. And I have improved a lot since last time I did, I joined the contest. So maybe that's something I can start again. Yeah, it's always a matter of perspective, right? I think the better you get, the less competition you have. And how do you think the future of web free security looks like? Uh, I don't know how it can get better than this. I mean, it's, it's bad right now. I'm not saying it's bad. It's good and it will get, it can't get better, but it's bad and I don't see how it will get better because like people will want to build stuff people who are not experienced in security are going to build stuff and they will have uh, people that cheer them uh, that support them that fund them so uh, that will uh, that will continue and you cannot stop that you cannot you shouldn't actually stop it. Like you, you need that new people uh, building, uh, creating new stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I I think it's it's not looking better in the future. Maybe if if we if we start to get very good automated tools, maybe that might be something. But even then, you know it's. I don't think we are going to get anything open source so some people are just going to profit off of that and many people aren't going to pay for that. So yeah, I don't... That's that's kind of my view right now. And do you think if some tool, some advanced tools get developed, they're going to be good enough to catch more of the complex bugs and what sort of time frame are you talking about uh few years i think i get 
requires that language models get better and people uh, learn to write uh, like AI agents using the language models. So it's not just like feeding, copy pasting the code to chat GPT and expecting it to find an answer, but it's more about creating a, a, a series of like thought processes uh, using the language model. So language model would ask questions to itself and try to uh, find its way. And the language, like the, 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 the agent program could, you know, run, uh, uh, run other static analysis detectors or it can start writing fast tests uh, and start running that. So those features could be added. Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I think that that has potential, but uh, I think there's still some time for that. And yeah, there will always be need for human uh, inputs. I think like these tools will need to be get improved by humans. Uh, you know, you will you will still want some human to check the findings, uh, compare them, uh, adapt to them, uh, filter them. So uh, there there will always be that need. If you don't have uh, if you don't have that need, then you have sold AGI anyway, so that's that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think we as humans always want to innovate, and so essentially, until AGI is in town, there's mm -hmm. not going to be anything that's super safe, unfortunately. Yeah. I want to add something to this. Uh, you shouldn't uh, affect your choices. Uh, because there may be some tool in the future that will be better than most auditors, better than you might have, you might ever will be. You shouldn't affect this. Uh, you shouldn't make this affect your choices and just, you know, if you're learning security, just keep going. I think it'd be a very rewarding career and the time frame still really high is knowledge. You're going to start learning now and then you're going to be a um, irrelevant tomorrow, I think, in the long term, like a very long term, like 10 plus years, it's something that might affect you, but it is definitely not enough to deter you from entering this field at all. Yes. And the most important thing is learning, learning how to learn. And if you can teach yourself, uh, smart contracts and then smart contract security evm etc uh you are like you are at a really good state and in the future if you need you can learn other stuff as well uh yeah you won't i don't think that you will have any like opportunity loss because you are doing security work and you'll always have opportunity loss but it's not like it will be in the way. You will get plenty of value either. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And could you elaborate a little bit on this skill of learning how to learn? Yes. So uh, I think it's a, it's a mind, mindset. Uh, because, you know, many people uh, you speak in real life, 
it's like oh I can never do this I can never learn this uh, but I think you have to force yourself to be a bit academic as well uh, it's like when you see an article okay I will not know this I cannot understand because I didn't go to university you can you can still go line by line and read and try to understand it and even if, if it's just the one article you will learn plenty uh, of course depends on what but uh, yeah so uh, you can learn uh, m like the the core sciences is actually really important like maths uh, like when you're in high school you say oh where am I going to use this but now I'm in crypto it's like oh it's everywhere so learn your linear algebra you can spend few hours a day and you know uh, create your own curriculum uh, and do that so uh, yeah so don't say that oh that's just for people who who have studied who have gone to university have, who have who have uh, PhDs don't say that it's just for those people and uh, you can you can do it yourself it's just requires dedication uh, and you have to be uh, you have to do it every day uh, like you know you have to do it frequently at least uh, and you can choose which topics to learn and uh, learn it like all the all the materials are online uh, learn how to pirate books uh, learn how to pirate uh, scientific articles and then you have you have all the world's knowledge at your hands um yeah i think everything's learnable if you just go with with an open mind yeah i think like there are some things that you know you need practical experience uh, that you need to use your like like for example it's a skill with your hands that you have to learn it it's not like you can just read it it's and may, there are many things that are not written and conveyed that cannot be conveyed in speech that you realize you learn by uh, by doing it with your hands so those things you know you might uh, you might need uh, a coach or an instructor to help you with those uh, but for what we are doing you can do everything you can learn everything by yourself uh, and the programs you use are your instructors because they give you immediate feedback you you write something or the program doesn't compile that's immediate feedback uh, like you solve an equation and you check the answer it doesn't it's not correct and it's immediate feedback and then you can try figure out what you did wrong what you misunderstand maybe so those these things you can you can definitely do it and yeah if you're in this space you should you should do it yeah that's a great message i reckon is there is there anything particular you're interested in the crypto space at the moment in the crypto space right now. I want to see 
more of a, like tokenization uh, that's free uh, it's not behind KYC right so like real words are set on chain and you don't need to KYC I guess everyone's listening to United States so they might need to uh, loosen their grip a bit but uh, because right now it's like as I initially said in this in this in this talk uh, there are either infrastructure stuff and uh, and like meme hype stuff but uh, I think like the real world uh, tokenization can bring real value that's the thing so that would make you know a decentralized exchange uh, useful I mean it's still useful like NFTs are even though we like to make fun of them but NFTs are probably the the best uh, assets like the, the they have real value, I think. Uh, yeah, so yeah, that's 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 one thing. So real, uh, real as like asset tokenization, and then the other one is of course zero knowledge. Uh, that that's I'm not very knowledgeable about it yet, but I think it will have lots of uh, potentials, uh, and. Yeah, that basically that's it. Yeah, those are really cool technologies. And is there any specific type of real world assets that you are referring to? Uh, like for example, houses, uh, and maybe you can buy and sell shares of houses or something like that. But I think for that we need to improve the user experience as well. You cannot just have it on chain and then expect it to work without any legal intervention. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's still like I I said infrastructure work doesn't interest me, but it does actually interest me in this regards because uh, we have to allow it like regular people to use it, uh, or even like institutions, governments, you know. Like, do you do you trust your government to manage private keys? Uh, so that's uh, that's one thing. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a slow process to get there as this evolves and emerges into more traditional businesses. I think we're going to slowly start to build that bridge, to build a bridge where those things of making tokenized houses are going to be more easily accessible to anyone. But yeah, for now, it's a bit hard. Yeah. Well, man, it's been a pleasure having you here. I'm Thank excited you. to see the next bugs you find, the next unit swaps, bug reports with a colorful bug reports and explanation. I think more yeah. people should adopt your style. Yeah, yeah it will, hopefully there will be more. I'm now aiming for a million. Let's, let's go for it. Yeah.